What's the latest? Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Ugin and Ronnie Flores here with you again. On today's show, we are going to discuss Imani Bates uh, committing to Michigan State and heading over to a, a prep school headlined by him and a couple other uh, top-notch talents who have transferred in there. Uh, some more NBA restart thoughts uh, with some big-time guests, uh, Mark Spears of The Undefeated on ESPN and Kyle Goon, the Lakers beat writer for the Southern California News Group. But first, Ronnie, let's uh, let's discuss um, all of these basketball tournaments that have been going on um, across the country and how now that's going to impact uh, more state shutdowns. I mean, California, as you know, is – kind of trending in that direction for another shutdown, whether it be closure of beaches and bars and restaurants. And I'm sure, you know, Arizona, I think just announced another 30 day uh, shutdown of bars. So do you think, I mean, for me um, running an event right now is just flat out irresponsible. Um, But I mean, you know, I I guess people's pocketbooks and bank accounts are hurting pretty badly. Uh, people are getting stir crazy sitting around in their in their houses all day. Um, but again, Ronnie, uh, our country is the one that's kind of furthest behind in flattening the curve for the coronavirus. And if we continue to have basketball events, uh, especially youth basketball events that aren't taking the proper precautions, man, I mean, we're going to be in this thing for the long haul. Yeah. Um, to your point, you know, I just think the optics and we've talked about that with with a few things how it looks to the public. It just, you know, certain people are not very happy about that. And, you know, you have your choice, you know, just like when these bars opened up and these restaurants opened up, you had your choice to go to them. Uh, What doesn't make sense. What doesn't make sense to me is if you shut down one County, let's say for instance, LA County. So then every, on a warm day, everybody rushes to orange County. Right. So that doesn't make any sense. It's drivable distance. So, you know, that part doesn't make no sense. The counties around the various states have to be in unison or else it makes no sense. Everybody just goes to the open one. Yep. So you that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, obviously the country worries about, you know, Donald Trump and the presidency in November 3rd with the election, which is going to be a huge election. And they're finally realizing how important that is. But, um, you know, we're starting to see how important local leadership is. I, I think I saw a statement from Doc Rivers, uh, the NBA coach, and he was like, uh, one of the problems is there's just no leadership on this. So I think I agree with that. There's just we don't know that much about it or enough about it, I should say. Uh, people just kind of operate on their own. Uh, you know, if you want to run an event. Uh, like you said, the optics don't look good, but also people have their choice to go or not to go. Same thing, sure. with the, you know, with the with the restaurant or anything else. Um, you know, the th- that's the beauty of our country, but that's also the uh, downfall in many respects. We don't we don't uh, we kind of want to do what we want to do because we've been used to doing that for so many years. Yeah. You know, I mean. We, we, what we focus on is just nuts to me. You know, sometimes like we're filming a lot of these ladies in restaurants or in supermarkets throwing a tantrum because they don't have their mask on. 
you know, things like that. When, uh, you know, China, America has 400 million people on the high end, okay, maybe 380 million people. China has, you know, one and a half billion people, as we've talked about China before with regards to the NBA, with regards to Jello Ball situation when he was there, when they when they got caught up when he was at UCLA. And China, it just uh, ha- has an issue or has a big problem, maybe maybe even a war. I don't, I don't know. I want to go that far because maybe it's not that good. With a country with almost a billion people, meaning India, that's a huge issue. You know, a, a, a country invading a, a country with a billion people and we're, and we're 400 million people and we're worried about uh, a lady throwing uh, produce and chicken in the in the aisle of a supermarket you know it's like i just don't think sometimes we get arrogant in our own ways you know we think we're the best we think we're on top and we're not really uh you know uh we can't really you know you know figure it out you know so i i I agree with what you're saying sometimes we just like uh you know we we get we get uh caught up in the wrong things yeah yeah whether it be um on the court, off the court, whatever it may be, um, there's a there's a lot of more important issues at hand, and hopefully, hopefully we can figure out how to uh, I don't know curb curb this issue as fast as possible, keep everyone healthy and safe, and all of those those good things. But uh, let's move on to some basketball um, stuff here. Imani Bates, Ronnie, he announced that he's committing to Michigan State, and this was on Tuesday. And in in that same uh, announcement, he said that his father is starting a prep school and that he is going to go to that prep school. He was at Lincoln High School in Michigan. Um, First question, will Imani Bates ever log a single minute? at Michigan State. Second question, um, will he reclass into 221? I don't think he ever logs a single a minute at Michigan State. I think that was kind of just like, yeah, okay, I don't want any more college coaches calling me because um, I'm probably either going to go straight to the league if possible or go to the G League uh, if you know the one-and-done uh, rule is still in place. Do you think he ever, ever plays at Michigan State? Um. Yeah, I'm with you on there. I'm leaning toward no. Uh, I think he wanted people to know that he would want to go to Michigan State. You know, uh, they've been recruiting him the hardest. I'm, I'm not even sure which schools have really been re- honestly recruiting him to an earnest to his level yeah. of a play. You know, um, the... The thing with Damani is, uh, you know, is it surprising that he made that just announcement as a little maybe because he feels, you know, I don't want to be bothered by that anymore. Like, like you said, being uh, falsely recruited or there's I'm a lack of a better term, like having to answer questions about that. He he kind of knows, as many prospects do, where they want to go to college. And he probably doesn't want to deal with that over the next year. Oh, where are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to college? So he's just announcing it now. So he can kind of focus on basketball, focus on his development. And I, I don't want to blame him for him. If he wants to know he wants to go to Michigan State, if he does go to college, just announce it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the timing of it 
makes it seem like there's not much chance he's going to play. It's just like, hey, it's good for Michigan State. It's good for the state itself. It's good for basketball in the state. But, you know, is he really going to set foot um, on that? You know, I, I don't I, – right now I see I say uh, no. You know what I mean? Um, you know, will he reclass the 220, true 21? I think there's a chance. I think uh, because, again, you know – well, it'll see how this season goes. This season could be, you know, they could play end up playing ten games. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with the with the virus, with travel, and plus they're doing it for the first time, and that that always is difficult. You know what I mean? In my experience, Devin, when people have a travel team or prep team, they have ideas of what it's going to go like, and then the reality of what it's going to be actually sets in. Yeah, you know, um, I think we're seeing that a little bit here in Southern California. I think there's a couple of new prep teams that are that are going to be started, and uh, you know it's it's a uh, it's a good option for for kids, and 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 if they feel that's the what they want to do, especially since um, you know some junior college leagues and in in junior college in general seems to be in flux. You know, it's there's I mean, we've seen players play prep school and and do. Uh, you know, a job in terms of um, doing a pretty good job in terms of getting to the next level, but who they actually play is always on, you know, on flux. It's always like where they playing at, who they playing, you know, that changes a lot. So obviously uh, the players that we've seen in the prep ranks locally, they're not Imani Bates. So I'm team teams are not, they're going to have no problem getting opponents, but then there's many states that also don't allow their um, member schools to play non-members. And that, and I'm almost certain that's a, been a big problem with a lot of people not understanding that offhand. Um, is, Michigan, is Michigan one of those states? Um, Michigan, yeah, he, he won't be playing. Uh, I don't believe they'll be playing any Michigan teams. Right. You know, so Interesting, enough, interestingly enough, uh, I remember the Marvin Bagley situation where he was going to go play with DeAndre Ayton at Hillcrest. And then it kind of came out that obviously they would have been one of the best prep teams in the country, you know, assuming they had decent guards with those two players. And then I remember them saying, well, I don't think this is going to work out because um, – you know, they're they're not ranked in the rankings. We can't play in Geico, but it's like you guys could have figured that out in with one or two phone calls in five minutes. Like you didn't look at, into that yeah. beforehand. So it's the same thing, you know, we'll see how this works out for uh Imani Bates' father, Algin, his his uh what I guess it's being called a satellite school, you know, a school with either online or remote classes. And and we'll see, you know, how that plays out in terms of where that leaves him, obviously he's one of the best prospects we've seen in a long, long time. I, there's been a lot written about that the last few days. Yeah, um, I was going to say, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people are saying he'd probably – a lot of people think he'd be the number one pick in this draft if yeah. he was eligible. Do, do you agree with that? Um, I mean, give me who's in this draft again. Cole Anthony, James Wiseman, right? Uh, Anthony, Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Onekio Kongwu. I, I don't yeah. see – for for me, I don't see picking 
Imani Bates over uh, Lamella Ball or Anthony Edwards, who have you know proven their not only their upside but their ability to uh, dominate at a high level. Um, yeah, I I just think um it depends how you look at upside versus uh, production. Sure. Uh, if you really favor upside, I could see you taking a chance because you might hit with Bates. But if you're trying to win and try to get a better, trying to make you know your team better, I just don't think there's no way he could be the number one pick. He'd be a top for me. He'd be a top five pick for sure. You know because, uh, again, he really hasn't even dominated the 17 and you under ranks yet. So, yeah. um. Again, so you look at player prospect. We've talked about that before. Uh, there's been names thrown around, you know, oh, you know, he's the best prospect since Andrew Wiggins, he, uh, you know, the best since LeBron. It, it all depends how you look at it. I think he is one of the best prospects in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, but he's not the best player because he never got, he hasn't got a chance to prove that yet, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think right now he's a better high school player than Ben Simmons. I mean, yeah. as a high school player yeah. to win a big game, you know, again, to be drafted, to be, you know, projecting 10 years down the line, the guy has a lot of upside. Um, he has a lot of skills. Again, we're, we're comparing him uh, because, and we're, we're talking about him because everybody looks at what the NBA is, is you know, the dominant type of score in the NBA and they, they're going to compare him to Kevin Durant, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, that's going to be the natural comparison. He, he, again, Kevin Durant is a young player. You know, uh, I got to see him around the same time Bates is right now when he was going in his junior at Oak Hill. God, he could really score. He was really thin. Uh, longer than Bates in, in some regards. Yeah, I think his wingspan and just his length was longer. Um, you know, he looked like he was going to be, be an NBA scorer. And a good NBA score. Did did everybody know he had this insatiable work ethic to be just this, you know, all-time score? No, I, I didn't know that. I, I think a few people did. They they thought he worked hard enough and he he could be that good. So, you know, um again though, when he got to the NBA, where did the dominance come in? So again, mm-hmm. you're you're you know, his year at the University of Texas was good, and his younger NBA career. You know, is that uh, what Bates is going to project as? You know, when did what age did, like you say, Devin, did Kevin Durant start playing like the number two pick or the best player in that class? Maybe three, four years in? I mean, he showed it, but when did that production really kick in? Like, okay, that's the guy that we drafted, one of the five best players in the NBA, maybe the best score in the NBA. Right. I, I don't think it happened right away. So I don't think it would with Imani Bates either. Yeah. Yeah, obviously the, it, it's difficult to project, especially you're calling a, a kid who just came off his sophomore year of high school, uh, a kid who could potentially be the number one pick in this year's NBA draft. That's that's a lot of pressure on someone's shoulders. And obviously, I mean, Imani Bates is the most talented and you know projectable and uh, most intriguing long-term prospect in high school basketball right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what exactly kind of competition that they're, they're playing against. What Ronnie in his, in his class in Michigan, how many of the teams, um, 
did he face throughout the season last year who were in your Fab 50? Were, were there were there any? Uh, no. There might have been regionally teams are right on the bubble. Uh, Michigan had a couple teams, good teams, Benton Harbor, uh, St. St. Mary Prep, but uh, some were in Division One, some were in Division Two last year. Uh, they were still alive, and then the season ended because of coronavirus. They actually won the D one state championship as a freshman year. Lincoln, he, yeah, Lincoln did, and they had some big. You know, he wanted a couple game winning shots uh, in the playoffs two years ago in two thousand nineteen as a freshman. You know, he was a Gatorade Player of the Year as a freshman, and and he was the national Gatorade Player of the Year. Um, in their Mr. Basketball USA voting, he wasn't really uh, at the top of the tier um, amongst the 10 voters who, who uh, vote in my, uh, you know, na- national player of the year tracking. Um, you know, he was among the top players, but nobody thought he was the, the top high school player. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, uh, two years ago, that uh, uh, the big kid from Lalamere who went to Washington. Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. And last year, you know, was a, a great year. And it, but it wasn't the, the, the seniors were the guys who, who, who rose to the occasion, you know, um, Cole Anthony, Evan Mobley, even Anthony, you know, uh, it's just, it just was a, hard for a sophomore to be that good because you're comparing them to the other great sophomores you know what i mean that that you've seen over the years so it's it's very interesting how that um is going to play out for him you know what is going to schedule going to look like what's high school basketball going to look like right you know right and then it's a a schedule to play yeah it's a new it's a new new thing for everybody you know is it going to start in january is there going to be football overlapping basketball? A lot of questions to be answered because, again, when you're talking about the big teams, uh, the Montverdes, IMGs, you know, that type of thing, um, you know, the, the they want to be on TV. They're going to have a few TV games, and obviously Bates' team has aspirations to play on TV. So if there's college football going on and high school football going on, how does that work for programming and things like that? It's just so many questions to ask, you know? Yep. So, right. um, Ryan, I think our first guest just popped in, Braden Proctor, uh, current assistant coach at Sunrise Christian Academy, and formerly a, uh, a reporter in the in the Michigan area who has seen Imani Bates and saw him at Lincoln High School. Uh, Braden, do we have you? Yep, yep, I'm here. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us, man. Um, oh, thanks. thanks for having me on. No problem. On a scale of one to ten, um, how shocked are Michigan area high school coaches that uh, Imani won't be finishing his high school career at Lincoln? I mean, I I I'd say not very shocked. I'd probably say like a five or six. I mean, it depends on who you ask. Like coaches who've had high level players in the past in Michigan, especially, kind of know it's like a running theme that our kids leave the state uh, mm-hmm. to get better competition, development, all that. So. Um, for those ones, I'd say it's probably much lower. Um, people who just casually follow basketball, like coaches, like at smaller high schools or whatever, might be a little bit more surprised about it just because they just follow what they see, like in the headlines, you know, stuff like that. So they just watch the box scores or whatever. Um, yeah, like for like the bigger school kids or coaches, I'd say that was probably 
not not super surprising. I guess it was always the thing since even eighth grade. It would be like, oh, when is he going to do what Josh Jackson did? Is he going to leave right away? Is he going to stay? I mean, really, the only big um, – there hasn't been any five stars in Michigan that have stayed in my memory, in recent memory. Um, but like Brandon Johns, Marcus Bingham, those mm-hmm. are probably the biggest kids to stay in Michigan. Um and and stayed through all four years, but I would say it 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 wasn't really surprising that this kind of happened. It was just kind of I guess the big surprise was like the timing of it. Yeah. Do you think the the bigger impact was um, the inability to kind of play outside of Michigan and travel, or more the point that his dad kind of wanted to have uh, maybe a little bit more control on, on his development. Well, the Bates family is really, really smart and really close. So I don't think the outside controls really, it was an issue there. Uh, Elgin's really smart. He kind of knew who he wanted in the circle from the beginning. And it it, it was, it's, I've talked to some people about it. It's really hard to get in with them. Mm -hmm. They're really smart about that. They're really close, really tight. They keep it, keep it real. There was very few people that knew that announcement was coming. I didn't know it was coming until uh, a couple of days before it actually happened. Um, so yeah, they keep a lid on that. They know they kind of know who they want to keep in their group. But yeah, I think the MHSA was a big part of it. Uh, just a 150 mile each direction, 300 mile round trip kind of kills it. And then the uh, just in the inability to play prep schools, um, like Michigan, Michigan teams like for one big event that's close for some of the teams is the flying to the hoop in Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, Michigan teams aren't allowed to play in that, even if it is against an Ohio team or an Indiana team or whatever that's within the travel limits of that high school. Um, if, if I remember correctly, like if let's say, I don't know, Amani's team was playing um, like Lawrence North or something like that from Indiana at flying to the hoop. Um, if let's say the next game was prolific prep versus um, Garfield Heights back when they had like Michi and Alonzo Gaffney and them, um, then the MHSA would ban that because um, the teams that are in that event are more than one state away. It's like just, it's just archaic rules like that that don't really make sense. They kind of like hinder kids. Even if they were following the rules, they couldn't play in that event. Like even if they were within the travel restriction, it's just stuff like that. So I think that was the biggest reason just to get Amani better competition and all those kids, honestly from the state of Michigan and around just better competition, better exposure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, Braden, uh, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. We, you know, every state has different rules. We know Michigan is one of the, uh, really stringent ones. Even when they play in, you know, we, we have to, when we, when we have events like in, uh, the Pangos all American camp, like we have to like, yep. Tell the kids you cannot play in this All Star game. You're gonna get you yep. know, you're a possibility you can get in trouble. So it always affects them. Sometimes they understand it going in. Sometimes they're like, "Wait, why? Why can't I do what the other kids do?" So we 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 understand that sentiment, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, we I didn't really know that they couldn't play uh, if there's prep schools playing in the same event. If they're not playing them, that's just you know, yeah, that's only gonna take a. Uh, a player like Imani Bates so far, you know what I mean? I mean, right. he was there two years, you know, that, that, that's, that's like, wow, they got two years out of it. Like you said, if, if he wants to be, <laughs> they were lucky. Yeah. They were kind of lucky to get two years out of that. And, and, and we know he likes his hometown. So he likes his he likes hometown school. Likes school. So, you know, um, you know, is, is among 
the the MHSAA, uh, like you said, the stars have left in recent years. Is it simply, uh, you know, you see the players leaving the state? What's the general feeling among coaches about this? Is this like, a, like you said, kind of like they kind of expect it, or are they just going to coach who's who's there and not worry about it, try to win a state title, and and they move on? I mean, it just depends on the school too. Like, um, Cassius Winston played at UD Jesuit, the Catholic league in Michigan. It's probably one of the better conferences. That's actually really good. Um, that, was, that was probably one of the few conferences that can hang on to kids. I would say. But even then, it's, they can only play so far. You're playing the best teams in Michigan, but you're not really playing much else. You might get to play a Chicago team on a neutral floor or, um, you know, a nearby Toledo team or something like that. But, yeah, it, uh, it definitely is a tricky situation, to put it lightly. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine they, you know, they, they have various viewpoints about that. But, you know, like you mentioned, the timing of this announcement was a little put peculiar to us and i'm sure like you mentioned it was to yeah. you uh did did he kind of just want to get this over with since not a lot of college are seriously crewing maybe didn't want to answer the questions of hey are you going to michigan state hey are you staying in state are you going to college are you going to the nba are you going to go overseas did he kind of just want to get past that or do you see some other reason why why he did it recently i mean from the outside i would say i think it was just kind of like um I mean, kind of what Elgin said, or Amani's dad said. He said that loyalty is a big thing, or Amani said that too. And they were the Michigan State was really the only ones recruiting him. I know like Michigan jumped in like here and there, touch and go, but it was just kind of not serious. Izzo was the only one showing up to games at 8 a.m. Um, for 15 U games last year. Um, and I remember seeing him at a ton of high school games too, him and the rest of the, the coaching staff, like Coach Stevens and Garland and all them. So I think. Honestly, Amani's wanted to go there, too, his whole life, I think. He's always been an MSU fan, from what I know. And Gabe Brown's one of his best friends. So um, I think that he wants to just just that whole camaraderie thing and being close with all those guys like Miles Bridges, too. Um, just a combination of those things. I mean, it's the school that recruited him the hardest. It's kind of the place he wanted to go. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it wasn't really surprising to me that he committed to MSU. I think a lot of people who followed it here knew it was going to be MSU. I, can't, I guess the the timing of it caught people off guard. Nobody knew he was announcing it, um, a commitment, until, I don't know, 20 minutes before is when it kind of became public, 20 minutes before the announcement. So, um, yeah, it's not really a big surprise, to be honest. Yeah, with, with that not being a big surprise, would you be surprised if Imani logged a single minute at Michigan State, because as we know, uh, the the G League initiative and pathway uh, is becoming more and more popular for top prospects. And then, who knows what the, the one and done situation is going to be now that the NBA is kind of having to uh, scramble and doing a restart because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, what do you what do you think is going to happen with Imani as far as uh, playing in college as opposed to playing in the G League? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge on it, but just yeah. what the you know scuttlebutt or whatever around him is like I'd be I'd be I'd still be leaning towards him not playing in college but with the age rule like like you said the coronavirus pushing stuff back I would say it's definitely become more likely um I would keep an eye on if he reclasses if he reclasses then I'd be like okay now I the chances are going up that he really might play in college um mm -hmm. because if he if he does go up 
if the, the way things stand, I believe he'd be too young to declare for the draft or go to the G League. Or, um, yeah, I think he'd be too young still to go do it. So, just that'd be the big thing: keeping an eye on if he reclasses or not. If he doesn't, then um, I would just probably lean towards him not not going to play at MSU. But a lot of stuff can change between now and then. A lot of stuff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, Braden. You know, this it's all up in the air. We don't know when the high school season is going to start, uh, yep. you know, around the country. Obviously, I do the Fab 50 rankings. and I'm like, okay, am I going to kind of have the yeah. regular preseason, you know, try to get the fans mm-hmm. to know things in, in October and release it in early November and, and start the season? Or is this going to be delayed, you know? At sunrise, how are you guys taking that? Are you you guys assuming obviously you can you play an independent schedule? Are you guys hey, we're just preparing for the regular November start, regular practice, or are you guys just kind of waiting to see when people could come back to to the campus and uh, you know what kind of schedule can you really put together as you talk to other independent schools? Right. I mean, from what I know right now, we're planning to go back. Um, like normal i think the state of kansas announced last month that they were planning to have everybody in school regular five days a week um kansas is from what i know way their coronavirus cases are way lower than everywhere else i I believe they were the first state to shut down schools even though they didn't have they had some of the least amount of cases at the time so they were ahead of the curve um jumping on that stuff so between that and geographically how kansas is laid out i think there's a decent, pretty solid chance that we will be going back to normal. Now things could change really quickly, um, like it did in the spring, and that school just had to like shut down. So I mean, once we get there, it's not a done deal that we'll make it through the school year. But yeah, as of last, I knew we were planning to go back and prepare like a normal, like just like last year, going into it. So um, how? other schools shape up will be tough to say because it's the COVID cases are different in each area. Like um, Arizona, I believe and Florida and Texas are getting hit extremely hard right now, but some States are not getting hit very hard at all because they're either still in lockdown or, you know, slowly um, getting back to normal. So they haven't really had many cases. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's just going to be a pretty much a day by day thing, honestly, but as of right now, we're, we're planning to go back. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, to give us more perspective on the Lincoln situation with, with Elgin's new prep school, um, you know, could Lincoln or uh, Benton Harbor, any school, could they play a non-member from another state? Uh, obviously, it could only be, you know, Lalamere, I guess, close enough. But, you know, you know, com- could they play at the time uh, uh, independent teams, one? And then I don't, two, I... go ahead. No, I was just uh, just just keep going. I was going to answer it, but just you can finish the question. Yeah, and I guess the second thing would be would with not knowing what the the status of the school is because it's brand new. Would would Sunrise be able to play uh, Imani's new team? So I MHSA teams, I'm pretty sure wouldn't be able to play Ipsy Prep. Um, I don't think that's ever been the case. If, if if we play out of state teams, like it would be like Muskegon versus Chicago or or other public schools or right. other state recognized right. schools. So I'm pretty sure unless the MHA MHSA does something drastic that they won't be able to play official games against um, MHSA teams. But um, regarding Sunrise, it's tough to say. I mean, like everything is just a case by case situation. We kind of had our soft 
um, setup of our schedule like a, a while ago. So um, if that's if that's the way things stand, I would say we probably wouldn't play them. It's hard to say though, um, because when like last year we were supposed to play, I believe IMG in Washington D.C. and then a week be- before the actual game, it got switched to us playing Damatha. So gotcha. things can change gotcha. last minute. So um, you never know, but as of right now, I don't think we are scheduled to play them. Gotcha. Got it. Braden, thanks. Braden. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Braden. Um, I'm sure you put a couple a couple calls in here or two trying to schedule that game. Um, hopefully we get back in action sooner rather than later, but uh, we appreciate you us tonight. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on, man. All right. Thank you, Braden. Appreciate yep, the Take care, guys. Yep, bye. Yeah, those, here, Devin, you know, restrictions are, are interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you can't even play in an event where there's a prep school playing before or after you, I mean, right. you know, you and you're playing a regular public school, which is got to be 150 miles within the radius, you know, 300 mile trip. It's just they, that's what I'm saying. You know, Devin, I have a few teams in my regional rankings, like I mentioned, Benton Harbor, you know, Lincoln was always kind of uh, on the cusp there. They weren't fat 50 ranked. But it's hard for them to go anywhere, move very high. They almost have to be undefeated. Uh, he mentioned Cassis Winston, that Detroit University of Jesuit Detroit. They were undefeated and got to like nine or eight in the faculty. I remember it was it was 2016. That's as high as they could got. And it was probably if there was a tournament, an NCAA type tournament, would they have been the ninth team? Probably not. You know, they, but you know, you're trying to reward them for being undefeated. So yeah, that's a tough situation. And I'm just interested to see what kind of schedule they're going to put together, especially in this year, because of everything that's going on. You know, you know, you know, you know, how can you how can you even know what's going to how that's going to go? You know, yeah. you, you don't know, you, you don't have any I mean, you don't have any basis. Uh, guarantee or I mean, I wouldn't if I was a high school coach right now, I wouldn't have any confidence that whatever schedule I put together was a schedule I was going to be able to play, especially playing outside your own state. It's going to be tough as far as yeah. travel goes and re- travel restrictions and parents uh, maybe not wanting their kids to travel to games like that. And all. I mean, I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how not only regular public high school teams operate, but how these, uh, the, the prep schools and teams who play national schedules, how they adapt to the current situation. Sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, Brian, I think our second guest just popped in, uh, Mark Spears. We got you, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Mark Spears, um, ESPN senior writer for The Undefeated. Mark, how you doing, man? First of all, how you doing? Arsenal has a 2-0 lead at halftime, so, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, world is good at the moment. <laughs> Sounds good. We were, we were just actually talking about um, Imani Bates, kind of the – the, uh, the high school player who, you know, considered the best prospect since LeBron James. We've had a lot of those guys come along the last few years, but uh, Ronnie and I being guys who follow the high school scene, he's probably the closest to um, the best high school prospects since LeBron that we've seen. But I'm kind of curious on your thoughts about um, the NBA and the one-and-done rule, and if if that's kind of been pushed back back burner with the collective bargaining agreement um, and how they've had to scramble with um, the latest coronavirus issues and the restart of the season. Do you do you see them visiting the collective bargaining agreement with regards to one and done 
And anytime soon, or is that going to be pushed back? Well, the one thing is interesting. I want to see what happens with like Jalen Green and company, these young guys that are, you know, going to this new G League thing. And there's been such a lack of um, ability to interview from anybody from the NBA right now or, or the G League right now because of, you know, the COVID situation. But um, one question that is really interesting to me that I'd love to find out is because of this new G League thing, like does it behoove the NBA to not allow players to come in early? Because if this situation works out real well, where say uh, perhaps an Imani Bates instead of going to play at college, he goes to the G League for a year. If, if they feel like they could groom these guys for a year before they allow them to go to the league, like what's the point in changing the age, right? Um, yeah, it becomes counterproductive a bit. Yeah, so I'm I'm starting to wonder if perhaps that rule change goes on the back burner. Um, you know, there's another kid, Jalen Lewis, who I live in the Bay Area. He's an Oakland kid, Bishop O'Dowd, yep. number two ranked player of the class of 2023. Like, I'm sure, I know he and his father are closely paying attention to this because um, if this thing is very, very successful, which I, you know, we'll, we'll see how odd it is because of COVID, but if, if the G League experiment is very successful the first year. Like if, if it ain't broke, then why change it? You know, cause it's suddenly you get, re- you start this D league thing. Like why, why do you need a one and done rule then? I mean, I mean, need to end a one and done rule. You're, you're in, you're in essence, uh, have a G league platform that, uh, is benefits by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Mark, uh, it would kind of work against each other. If one initiative success is successful, you'd want to keep it going if you're the NBA. Um, you know, so and you mentioned Jalen Lewis. Is everybody's kind of watching to see what happens. Do we have any idea, like, how this G League season is going to play out compared to what the NBA itself is going through? Or is that even communication has been kind of low-key on that? Oh, man, and because of COVID, man, it's so fluid. Yeah. It's just it's just so fluid. Like you think it's gonna happen, but let's see how I mean, we don't know. Obviously with with everything that's going on this year, I mean, I'm just happy to wake up tomorrow breathing. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It, it, it for for more ways than one, you know. Um so it's uh it if if the world is healthy or if the world is healthier, like I envision those guys being in LA or being in Vegas with Brian Shaw doing an outstanding job running it. And, you know, Brian Shaw's son actually plays for UC Davis. So he, he's been around the youth, uh, youth basketball a lot of late. And I think his son kind of helps him have a, a, a touch to this area. If that makes sense, you know, like a, it, it's, an understanding of, of this time uh, of these young kids' lives, these young stars' lives. So I think he was a tremendous choice, uh, outstanding choice for, for this league. But right now it's just like, man, I mean, let's see if the NBA season is a go. I think it will be. Um, but it's just it's hard to tell because there's just so much unknown about our world right now due to COVID. Yeah. Well, that kind of segues into our, our next topic is i mean 
number one, do we think we're going to get a restart? And number two, uh, are we going to finish the restart? That, those are the two questions I have. Um, I, I, I'm yes on both. Because um, okay. here's the thing. Like to me, and, and perhaps I'm naive, and I hope I'm right. I, I really hope I'm right. But to me, it's going to be one of the healthiest places on earth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like think about it. Where you guys live, where I live, when I walk outside, I don't know who's walking across the street. I don't know what they're doing, who they've been around. You know, sure. they may not be wearing a mask. I have no clue, man. And so the safest thing for us typical humans are, are, are in America or even the world is to stay in your house, right? That's the <laughs> yeah. safest thing. Like, this thing is real. I don't know why these folks are thinking that, like, I don't need to wear a mask and they're immune or uh, they're, maybe they're superhuman and I don't know about it. But this mask thing, this this COVID is real, man. And it, it certainly hit me personally, too. Um, but in this environment, what other environment is there in America where, like, this is called a small town, right? Mm-hmm. Is there even a small town where everybody in that town is getting tested every day? Everybody yep. in this town is wearing a mask and you have to go eat in your room. Like you can't eat publicly. And like, this is like not for debate. This is enforced. Like that's what this society is going to be. Like you, you guys not tested once a month or in a couple weeks or every once a month daily, <laughs> you're getting tested. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm, I think, like, shoot, under these circumstances, like, the, the biggest thing you're going to miss is your family, your loved ones. But in terms of health, I think um, Enda got a, a hospital staff on site waiting for you. And, they, you know, if these wristbands are true to what they say they are, I mean, they could perhaps detect possibly having it two, two or three days in advance. I wish I had that. <laughs> here in Oakland, in Oakland, right? So, yeah. To me, I think the the the, the hardest thing is just getting there with okay. no drama, and then, like, I you know, ESPN's owned by Disney. Like, I will know that they're going to spare no expense. They're going to like, you know, make sure that all these employees that do have access to clean rooms or food service or you know security, whatever. Man, them people don't want to lose their jobs. They're going to do whatever they <laughs> You know, they're not going to walk around like, shoot, they, I mean, they might have to wear Mickey Mouse uniforms and Disney costumes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I, the employees, these unionized employees, man, they trust me, that they don't want to be the one that's going to get anybody sick. So, like, nothing is foolproof, but in terms of being in an environment, that is safe. I don't know how it gets any safer than that. Once you get in it, mm-hmm. like for example, and I know I'm belaboring this topic, but um, for media that are going in, just the, or when the second round kicks and families go in or loved ones go in, they have to quarantine for a week before they can get in mm-hmm. and pass tests daily. Wow, that's an exclusive club to get into. This ain't, you know what I mean? It ain't like you just driving up and hey, I'm uh, Bronny James and I want to get in there. No, Bronny James gonna have to 
you know, quarantine for a week and be and stay in your room and be tested daily before you can even go in. Right. Yeah, that's going to be a. a doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who how legendary his father is. That's that's <laughs> the rules for everybody. Yep. That makes right? that. I mean, Giannis's wife with their newborn. She's going to have to do the same thing. Like, it's it's a kind of a Fort Knox place. Yeah, you know, from the standpoint of the the players, Mark, uh, we've seen, you know, some players heading to Orlando tested positive. DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie. From the player side, how how confident do you think the players are that the NBA can handle this restart? And 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 what is and the contingency plan if somebody does test positive? What are the player? What's your general consensus or feeling? What the players are thinking about that? Um. Uh, you got to be, I mean, understandably nervous, man. I mean, especially if you haven't been there, you don't know what it is, but because uh, it's it's just stuff on paper now, you, you don't see it in reality. Um, but again, like you, you can't even get in unless you've passed the test and you're going to be tested daily. And there's medical personnel on site to help you. Like, I, I'll just tell you guys, like I've been covering the NBA 21 years. Every time... I do an NBA event. Like when I went to India, I went to India with the NBA, right? Last year with the Kings and the Pacers. This is different. This is this is a different level, man. This is a different world. This ain't this is this is elite stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like uh, it's not Costco. Like huh? <laughs> it's yeah, not you're not running through Costco. It's not in line at Costco. Yeah, man. No, man. Like it's the way they do stuff is on such a like high level with with security and the best of doctors and like other than I mean it, I I just think that once they get there I mean can somebody yeah but I I just think the odds of somebody getting sick are going to be low because of what's going to be afforded to them like Dr. Fauci said it's going to be it's the best sports environment. I think it was Malcolm Jenkins who said the NBA has it figured out, whereas he said, like the NFL, it's like the honor system. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what these baseball players are going to be doing on a daily basis mm-hmm. before they get to the stadiums and they, you know, the teams travel up and down the coast to, to play in their different stadiums and stuff like that. But I do know where the NBA players are going to be. I do know that they can't go nowhere. Like, I heard the ability to get in, out of, in and out of this place is tough. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? Like build a tunnel underneath or you know, you can't get a helicopter to come. You're like, what? There ain't no invisible helicopters. This ain't Wonder Woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Invisible yeah. place. Like, you just, once you're in, you're in, man. And it's like, I, I really believe like the, the asterisk that's going to be there. They said this team is going to have an asterisk. Like, they should get, whoever wins the championship, they're, their asterisk should be for basically the ability to overcome the greatest of adversities ever in NBA history to win a title. Like they, they I mean, you're, you should get two rings for this, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. uh, I mean, this, this is a team that hopefully the world, once it heals, you know, like, like this is something we'll see documentaries on, you know, sure. Sure. the bubble. You know, 20 years from now. Oh, man, I remember that. Your kid's going to be like, what was that? You already, you already said 
You already, started, you already started pitching that, didn't you? You already started writing your script. <laughs> I, I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I need to. If it ain't me, it's going to be somebody else. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I should. Hey, I so definitely should. There's going to be like uh, like a hotline or something that's going on that players can kind of, you know, say they can call and be like, hey, this guy's sitting too close to this guy. Do you think – you think there's going to be any any snitching going on when uh, within the bubble if someone's doing something wrong? Uh, I can't see a player making that call, but I could. I could, I know the gamesmanship of this league, and <laughs> I, I could see somebody else, like an equipment manager, or, you know, a PR person making those calls for folks. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. once one person gets snitched on, like the the, the you know. Cats out the bag, man. Everybody's gonna be, you know, doing something. But it it's it'll be interesting to see what happens when you get there because I like the one thing that I don't think is being talked about enough is the fact that you're not gonna have anybody with you other than your teammates. Like think like we we have this like beautiful view of what sports is and like, oh my goodness, the guys, the team and all that is fun. But like imagine like a real world in which you're all your you're there with your coworkers for three months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just your coworkers. Does that sound amazing? But you you know, and you can't see your your loved ones, your kids, your significant other. Like you're just with your coworkers. Like even if there's like a bunch of roller coasters and hang gliding and fishing and all that kind of stuff. At some point, you're like, man, I want to see my baby again. You know, like that part I think is going to be like, I just to see the emotions and the smiles and the excitement when those players are able to be reunited with their wives, significant others, kids, what have you. Um, I think that will be beautiful to see, assuming they get to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, Mark. Um, you know, we've seen a handful of, of you know, solid pieces opt out of this, most notably, you know, Avery Bradley of the Lakers, Trevor Ariza of uh, the Blazers, DeAndre Jordan recently said that he's not going to make it, and then Davis Bertans of the Wizards. Um, did the teams kind of have an inkling that they might, you know, lose, you know, one player, two players, and have to find a replacement, um, you know, once the NBA launched the, uh, the restart plan? Yeah, I mean it's it's mutually exclusive to every team and the individual, and I don't think there's anybody like it's like the Bertrands decided not to go for free agency situation, you know, yeah. for free yeah. agency reasons. If that's the case, I, that doesn't really excite me. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, um, feel right. Although, like I talked to John Wall, and the Wizards have such a just such a tough shot of making it. Like it just seems. Like, they need to almost go perfect to make it. Like, their Bertrands don't go and Bill don't go, and they just want to, like, use it as a development for the young guys. I get it. You know, I get it. But I do, you know, you want to have the best foot forward because it does affect other teams. It does affect, like, Phoenix. They're going there with a great attitude in terms of, you know, they they have like like a 0.1% chance of making it right but it gives them eight games on a high level in Worcester Grove where people are going to watch 
where they also could become a spoiler. Like, what if they beat a team and it causes that team not to make the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like, there's some fun in that, you know? Um, So I I do think there's a benefit to a lot of young players. And, like, I was talking to a coach from a team that isn't there, and he's like, you know what? I actually hate it for our guys that we're not involved because – it's like eight months off. That's a long time off, you know, like to have ended your season in March and maybe not played till December or January. Even for teams that like the Warriors, if you use the rest, that's a long time. So uh, I, I, I think where I'm really watching guys taking it off or like Bradley is a huge loss for the, for the Lakers. I think it sounds like Lou Williams is going to go, but if he were not to be there, that's a huge loss. Both both players can affect championship, mm-hmm. you know, situations. Bertrands, I mean, if he didn't tell me he wasn't going to be there, I don't know if I really would have noticed. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just that if somebody decides not to go, I really think it's their prerogative and, and we have to respect that, whether yeah. it's COVID reasons, family reasons, um, social justice reasons. I think the free agency reason isn't it's kind of whack, but you know, whatever. Because they they have insurance for the players in case something happens to them. But uh, and as a one veteran NBA scout told me, he's like, I never judge somebody based on how they play in the playoffs. You know, and to me, this is playoff basketball. This isn't. I know it's eight games, but they have playoff implications. So to me, it's playoff basketball. Makes sense. Mark, um, the NBA has announced that there's going to be customized messages, if messaging on and placement of the jerseys and instead of names, if the players want it, and that there's going to be Black Lives Matter decals displayed on the court somewhere. Um, besides those visual messages, what's the consensus feeling from NBA players about the ability to? you know, call attention to social justice while they're playing this season, while they're resuming the season. What what, what do they feel about that besides, you know, the, those general uh, statements being made? Well, I think they're excited about it. There probably is going to be some disappointment because you can't put uh, names of, uh, say, people who have been slain um, because they don't, you know, want to uh, – like make people who didn't have a name put in the back feel bad. I don't know if I agree with that, but that's, I think the gesture of putting anybody's name on your back is an honor and should make anybody who's dealt with such a tragedy feel honored, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it it appears by the end of the week that they're going to have, they're going to come to a general consensus from between the NBA and the Players Association on what they will be able to put on the back of their jerseys. Um, I know Harrison Barnes uh, told me he would like to put several different things if he could, like, because, you know, you have more than one kind of jersey. You know, NBA got like five, six jerseys a team. So, um, but I I think before the week is up, you're going to probably get an announcement on what is going to be allowed from the team and also, you know, what, what players can choose. Like, they'll, you'll probably have a list of what they could choose from to put on the back of their jersey or 
I don't know if they're going to be able to be as created creative as they had initially expected they could be, but it's still a work in progress. Gotcha. As beyond that, um, beyond the messaging on the jerseys and the the messaging on the on the floor, have you heard of any NBA players, teams, or or um, the league itself? You know what what they have planned to call uh, uh, attention to social justice issues. Um. I think you're going to see a lot of PSAs. I mean, like if you watched the BET Awards the other day, it was a tremendous amount of messages during that entire three hours. I mean, even like uh, Megan Thee Stallion, like she had a video where it was like a Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome theme, where it's like she's basically telling people to wear a mask without saying wear a mask. There's like a black fist on one of the stages that she performed on in the video. There's like a Black Lives Matter uh, sign in this Mad Max scene. Like, I think there's going to be stuff that's going to be, you will hear, you will see, you will kind of just like, this uh, will be in the background and which would be like, say, like, uh, like I'm watching Arsenal soccer game right now. Like they have the board that goes around the field right now. It says right now, it says health insurance with Vitality in the name of a company, Vitality, right? They'll have that board probably around the court with not only like advertising, but uh, perhaps some social justice messages around it too. So you'll see things on the floor. You'll see perhaps something on the stanchion, under the basket, on the court, around the court. Um, Maybe players might have a wristband or a headband that says something. The commercials, the PSAs, like I think you're just going to be given a, a a huge dose of messages that will be nonstop from beginning to end, and uh, I think uh, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see through the course of the three and a half months how many times you're going to see something that's basically in your face. And how many times you're going to see something subtly, how many times players are going to talk about it in interviews. I think the the point and the hope is that no matter what they do, whether it's an interview or playing or just walking onto the court, walking to the arena um, where they can wear pretty much what they want, you know, to a game, you're just going to see a constant, constant, rewind of messages and hopefully those messages will have impact on the viewers and the listeners. Yep. Great, Mark. That, uh, you know, that's great insight. I, we're, we're looking forward to it. You know, we're, we're trying to, wow. It's just going to, it seems like you said every day, something new happens. We hopefully we get there and kind of wrapping up, uh, Mark, you and Gary Washburn of the Boston globe, um, are releasing a book about Spencer Haywood on the sixth of October. That's the, the drop date we, we saw on social media. Tell us a little bit more about it and why the story of this NBA Trailblazers is important now. Um, obviously, as us following basketball, you know, I know a lot about Spencer, him in the Mexico City Olympics, being from Detroit and all that. But, but a lot of people don't know what he went through. Just to give a high line of what, what uh, people could look forward to reading in this book. Oh, his story is crazy, man. <laughs> this story is absolutely crazy. You're, you're talking about somebody that was picking cotton from birth, yeah, that was in yeah. a cotton field as a child, um, 
who dealt with racism every day, uh, who life was in jeopardy every day, who like uh, family ate roadkill. Like had to, I don't want to feel everything, but this road from Miss. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This road from Mississippi to the NBA is absolutely nuts, and can't think of a better friend to connect and write this book with with than Gary Washburn. But you know, Spencer Haywood like the only NBA player that got kicked off a team during the playoffs for drug use. And it was Magic's rookie year when they won it. He, like, uh, he was married to Amon. Uh, he's basically somebody that played a big role in having free agency. I'm going to tell you the stories he tells about the 68 Olympics, especially when John Carlos and Tommy Smith, um, you know, were kicked out of the Olympic Village. Like he watched them get kicked out of the Olympic Village uh, he had an incident at as a kid at a, go- a golf course, which is absolutely like some of the perhaps the racist thing you've ever heard in your life. Right? It, it's stunning and, and just horrible. Um, so I think it's a book that his story is so crazy, sad, entertaining that you you'll pick up and read from one to the next. It's, it's about 240 pages. A fun, easy read, but I think the world needs to be re-educated on a man who certainly wants they reread this. They read this book; they'll, he's deserving of a thirty for thirty for sure. But uh, I, I hope you guys get it. I, I, let me know. I'll try to get you guys uh, advanced copy of it. Get Spencer on what you guys, but I think it's definitely a story everybody needs to know. We appreciate that, Mark. We're, we're really looking forward to to that dropping, and we're going to take you October sixth. Yep. On uh, <laughs> you can get pre order uh, the book now on Amazon. So please, please check out the Spencer Haywood book. Sounds good, Mark. Before we let you go, man, who's going to win the NBA championship? Clippers. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Being a Laker guy, I I, I don't uh, I don't agree with that opinion, but uh, we'll agree to disagree. You're, 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 you're biased. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're uh, right. I have no I have no horse in the race. Uh, you're right. You're right. All right, Mark. We appreciate you making the time to come on, man. We'll we'll talk to you again soon when that book drops. All right. Cool. Thank Later. you. All right. Good yeah. stuff, Mark. <laughs> um. You know, uh, he dropped a lot of good, interesting points there. You know, again, as you said, it's to me like when I picture this bubble, I almost picture like the NBA players walking into the arena. It's going to be like Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan walking in. They're just going to have all this stuff on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all yeah. these messages, all this, you know, colorful clothing or whatnot. I mean – guess it's pretty interesting to see how all that's going to play out you know again we never we didn't talk with mark about the level of basketball but that's going to be another interesting t- thing too you know i can imagine the first games are kind of even though it's kind of like gearing for the playoffs is going to be like the nba summer league that's why i look at it. it's going to be like the nba summer league in terms of the play yeah like he even mentioned some teams may be in developmental mode you know, you know, you kind of like maybe we can knock off a team with the young guys. So it'd be, right. it'd be interesting to see how those teams approach this. And then you have like the Lakers or Clippers who really want to win. 
like yeah. and have a real chance to win the Bucks. I would put the Bucks in that category. Maybe Philadelphia, maybe Philadelphia yeah. in the yeah. East. You know, there's three or four teams that are like, okay, let's let's gear up. We could win this, you know. Yeah. And the rest, you yeah. just don't know how they're gonna take it, and then how if if a guy tests positive. You know, I, I like you said, I don't see how a guy's gonna test positive after he's already in the bubble. If if these protocols Mark is talking about are in place, but yeah, if everyone's following them, yeah, if everybody's following them, you know, so. Uh, you know, he makes good points about it being a s- controlled and safe environment compared to me and you going to Costco or, or Walmart to pick up some groceries or something like that. I'm going, I didn't go anywhere. You know me. <laughs> yeah, you're ordering food constantly. I, yeah. I order my groceries, man. I, I don't go. No, no, I don't go anywhere, man. I don't go anywhere. Kyle, what's up, man? We just got Kyle Goon from uh, Southern California News Group. The Lakers beat writer just hopped on. Uh, we're talking the bubble, Kyle. And uh, um, I'm imagining like this huge, like actual bubble around this this resort and like all this fun stuff going on. But I don't think it's going to be like that. What are your what are your um, um, expectations for this? And do you think we're going to be able to start this and finish this um, and crown a champion this year? Yeah, you should absolutely not imagine this as a bubble, <laughs> as a literal bubble. Um, you know, we, we've been calling it a bubble and it's just not um yeah i think i think at at this point we call it a bubble because it was introduced as an idea of a bubble but um there are built-in perforations um you know the disney employees being the biggest one uh you know they're uh the nba is looking into getting a subset of employees tested but most of them aren't going to be tested Mm-hmm. And now, now they're not supposed to come in close contact with NBA players and, and staff. But I mean, who knows? Um, actually, actually, while I was getting on this call, I just saw some reports that, uh, you know, the MLS is experiencing some positive tests in their supposed bubble in also in Orlando. So it's just these things are not perfect. The NBA has even acknowledged that you know, this is designed with some holes and, and guys can leave when they want, even though it's supposed to be punishing enough to come back with, with quarantine restrictions that you're not supposed to leave. But um, it just has built in holes that um, I think everyone involved has to be concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lakers, the Lakers lost uh, a key piece and cre- a key ingredient to their championship hopes with Avery Bradley opting out of the return um, for you know family obligations. Um, how big of a hit is that to the Lakers' chances of winning a title? I know they just finalized the deal with Jr. Smith as a, repa- a replacement player. Yeah, it's it's a hit um, just because uh, what Avery Bradley allows you to do is. I mean, okay, so Avery Bradley, the player, like you look at his stats and they're not that impactful. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's a couple points a game, not an amazing three-point shooter, but a good enough three-point shooter. Uh, and then you understand he plays defense. But the defense is the most important part, given that the Lakers play this unconventional style where LeBron is the point guard. Sure. And what Avery Bradley lets you do is on the defensive end, LeBron doesn't have to guard the opposing point guard. Mm-hmm. So the the guy you have now instead of Avery Bradley is probably Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, the stats aren't as kind to him defensively. Um, I mean, they're just not as good a team defensively when he's on the floor. 
as opposed to Avery Bradley, although he did have some good stints when he started um, for Avery Bradley. But um, he's, he's just not as good, so the system isn't quite as effective. The net rating isn't um, nearly as good with KCP swapped in for Bradley. And, and so you just wonder about the um, effectiveness of how the Lakers want to play. Gotcha. You know, Kyle, uh, you spoke to Lakers GM Rob Palinka recently about this and discussed Bradley's decision to opt out. What was the sentiments there? Or what 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 is the feeling there from from management? Yeah, I mean, I think they wanted him there. Um, Rob Palinka used to be Avery Bradley's agent, um, so he kind of felt like, okay, maybe this personal relationship we can kind of finesse something, figure it out, support you guys. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the family thing comes first. And I think a lot of people have um, concerns about family issues. I mean, a lot of guys have kids, a lot of guys have wives. Um, and it's just hard. It's just hard, especially when you have a, a young family like Avery Bradley does. Um, I mean, his oldest kid is, is six. And that's the kid that they were concerned about that would be able to come to Orlando. I mean, three months is a long time to be away from your kids. And Avery is, um, you know, a really nice guy, a family guy. Um, you know, I don't think he is quite as um, uh, carousing as maybe some of the other players on the team and and, yeah. and is more of a, I'm going to kind of do my own thing type guy. So he's already um, a little apart from some of the culture of that group. And then, you know, just these added family concerns plus some social justice concerns that he feels like he can do constructively um, from home. I mean, I, I, I can see how he got swayed. And I think the Lakers, even though they're disappointed, I think some de- teammates were disappointed. And I think some teammates only heard about this from, you know, ESPN essentially, mm-hmm. um, which was a little disappointing uh, on their part. But um I, th- I think they understand. Yeah. Ronnie and I covered Avery as a high school player at, uh, uh, you know, various camps and things like that. And he's a, like you said, laser focused guy, you know, plays basketball uh, off the court, works on basketball and other things like that. Um, what's the consensus feeling within the Lakers club as a whole as to concerns traveling to Orlando and, you know, all the, the, uh, I guess, uh, restrictions that come with, with this, uh, restart program by the, by the NBA. Yeah. I, I mean, I think everyone has similar things. I mean, I think it's, and we shouldn't just restrict it to players because Fans. players have. So I think the thing with players is they're used to this degree of freedom, even within the season where they're traveling a lot for sure. And their schedules are very busy, but you know, they, they have some time themselves and, and on off nights and off days, they can, dictate their own behavior. Um, and this is just not that. Um, so I think they're feeling that squeeze, but also, you know, their families will be eventually allowed to join. And it's really unclear for NBA staff, coaches, general managers, um, you know, sports performance staff, all kinds of other people, if their families are going to be allowed. And so they might, so, so Frank Vogel, for example, may not even see his family for three months. Right. Um, and that's just a really long time for, for anyone. Um, so I think everyone kind of sa- shares the same concerns. One, like, okay, we're not going to be allowed to do a lot. Um, I don't know how you guys are about uh, swearing on your podcast, but Bradley Beal was just on a, 
Go ahead. On a thing, uh, on a on a call, and said we're not allowed to do very much shit while we're down in Orlando, and I think that's a concern. And then just not being able to connect with the people that even in a, in the season, even when you're busy, you'd usually connect with family, kids, all that stuff is really really trying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the court, um, Dwight Howard's another guy who um, is facing a, a major decision. He's got a mole over whether to go to Orlando or help care for um, his son, whose mother passed away during this pandemic. What are you hearing on the Dwight Howard front right now? Yeah, I mean, I think at at the moment they think that he'll come around, but um, – I mean, Dwight has always been extremely hard to predict. Yeah. Um, very wild cardy. I mean, even uh, a couple weeks ago when he was one of the people who was speaking out, he's kind of backtracked from those initial statements. I mean, he said he literally wrote in a statement sent, sent through his agent that now is not the time for basketball. Like, we, we don't need basketball right now. And then he tried to backtrack that as if he didn't say that. So, but I I just think that's who Dwight is. I just think, um, depending on the day, he he could sway one way or another. And the fact is that I I don't want to paint it as a totally flippant thing because the fact is that he has at least one son who lost his mother um, during this hiatus. Uh, And my understanding is that the Lakers are trying to figure out how that child is going to be taken care of once Dwight goes to Orlando and there's a lot of stuff to kind of figure out. And, and even though, I mean, I know uh, a lot of people understand that Dwight has a lot of kids, uh, with a lot of different mothers, but um, he is a very caring man. Um, and he does go to great lengths to keep the kids in his life. I mean, I remember we went to Orlando and all his kids were sitting in the front row courtside. Um, and I think, and he, connects in that way so um it's not a flippant thing but it is based on dwight's personality it's just so difficult to predict um what he's gonna do right right um so jr smith replacing avery bradley uh, obviously you get a guy who could potentially be a high volume scorer um you know, three-point shooter, spread the floor for LeBron, has familiarity with LeBron, uh, both positive and negative familiarity. Um, what do you see or what do the Lakers envision his role being uh, during this restart? Um, I mean, I think it's more of a, a backup role, okay. um, potentially, you know, wild card role for whatever that word means to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he, I think... For one, the experience factor comes in. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, JR's just made these kind of runs before. Um, and the fact is, this could be the most grueling playoff run in NBA history for various reasons. Um, I mean, it's just going to be with the restrictions, being in the same hotel room. I mean, even in the playoffs, you get some home time, right? Like even in the the normal playoffs, you get to spend some time at home. If you finish a series early, you get to take a little break um, until your opponent is determined. Like that just doesn't exist in Orlando. Um, So I think JR having that experience factor going to four straight finals matters. And then I think the other thing is just, 
related is the chemistry factor is he's a guy that veterans like is fun um is gonna add to the chemistry um once they get down there um or at least as as far as anyone can predict right because this is totally unique but um you know just a guy who has been around the league who understands locker room dynamics and i think if he he's been training locally um i i'm not positive but i would guess that he's probably worked out with lebron um during the hiatus um so i think all those factors really add up to hey we can't hurt as long as we're looking for another guard wing to take some spots yeah um Kyle, you, you mentioned the grueling aspect of this playoff run for whatever teams go deep. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of concerns, you know, the protocols of, of the bubble. Um, how, how concerned do you, do you get a feeling players are? Or maybe you've talked to somebody on the Lakers staff or training staff about, like, injury at the beginning of it or just the players not being in game shape. I'm sure the, the players that have motivation to win a title like LeBron are, but I, it just in general, you figure everybody's at a different – uh, spot, you know, uh, physically. How how much of that is a concern for the players and or the the teams themselves, the league? Uh, I mean, it's a huge concern. Uh, Rob Polinka said as much yesterday. Um, you know, he he didn't expound in tremendous detail, but he said we think our sports performance staff will be arguably the most critical piece of of staff that we have, um, just in terms of making sure guys are ready, loose, and then when injuries happen, um, guys are either taking care of that the right way or they can come back the right way. Um, everybody understands that the Lakers are an older team. If you look at Jared Dudley's feed, he said a lot about this um, in the last month or so. Um, I, you know, I think players, at least on this team, probably wanted like 10 seeding games, regular season games. Um, to to work into that shape, mm-hmm. um, so it, it has to be a huge concern. And, and LeBron is definitely um, sensitive to this kind of stuff ever since he had his injury last year. Um, I think he's very um, paranoid isn't the right word, but but abundance of caution might be the best way to describe how he's um, thought about his fitness and health in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, these are all big concerns. Um, that being said, uh, when you look at how the Lakers shot out at the beginning of the season and basically have been the wire to wire number one, um, you know, they're, they, they can come out at a high level quickly. Um, you know, AD is, is, is still, well, I mean, he's in his prime, right. And, uh, and they have some young players. Um, and I think what they're hoping is that they have, not that much to lose in the seating. I mean, they have a five and a half game lead with eight games to go. Um, so they're really not in trouble unless they lose every game, which probably isn't going to happen. Right. Um, so they have some time to warm up and, and figure out some rotations and, and work in Markeith Morris, Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith, and then kind of take off. So I think they'll have an ability to do that as long as um, they don't have a few bad breaks. Yeah, it seems like maybe those those top echelon teams, Lakers, Clippers, Houston, uh, Milwaukee, uh, Boston in the East, maybe their stars do a little bit of load management if they lock up a playoff spot. Do you see that? Do you envision that happening at all? Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. And uh, I think what 
might be a little different about the Lakers approach than like the Clippers is um, one thing Rob Palenka said is we want to get back to a winning mentality. Um, so the Lakers, so, so the Clippers have kind of been slow playing everything, right? They're like, okay, well, we're going to rest Kawhi some, uh, PG is injured. So we're going to keep him out. You know, they, they, they slow play and, you know, say, okay, the regular season is not the point. The championship is the point. Well, the Lakers, um, have been very adamant that we are going to try to win every freaking game, Mm -hmm. no matter the season, or, or no matter the stakes and and it's just a different way of going about it um and that's worked for them um yeah. you can you can argue which way is the, the right approach but it's inarguable that it has worked for them so far um even when lebron has been out they've they've won some games um and even when ad has been out they've won some games it's it's um it's it's been a constructive attitude, so I think they will try to win. I think to some extent, you know, you'll probably see guys like LeBron and AD play in like six of the eight games, um, just to get them back into shape because that matters too. Um, but they probably won't play a full minute load, and then, or you know, certainly not for all the games, and then probably not for most. And then they'll they'll have some time to kind of mix around with different lineups and different looks and matchups. Yeah. Kyle, what's the media situation like with the with Orlando? Are you able to go? What, how how is that going to work with beat writers and uh, reporters and things like that? Do you have any idea how that's going to go? Um, you know, in my publication, uh, we're still finalizing that. Um, okay. I can tell you that um, the NBA is going to have a maximum of ten reporters um, at, who are paying great expense to come in and be within the campus. Um, and they'll do some aspects of the regular jobs, but a lot of this is just going to be virtual. Um, and, uh, you know, that's in part because of concern about the person person contact right now. Um, and, and that's a tough deal. Um, but you know, there are going to be some people inside there. Um, you know, we haven't determined with finality as of, july 1st right yeah um how how that's going to work for us but um i i kind of assume part of my job is going to be done in orlando um in in another tier where you know people are going to be able to attend games in person but then do everything else virtually got it so i think that's going to be part of our strategy and then a lot of this is just going to be virtual zoom calls and then phone calls and all that got it got it ron you got anything else um, I'm good. We appreciate the insight, Kyle. That that is really good insight. It seems like the Lakers are one of the teams that are obviously focused on 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 winning this, and we'll just see how some of these other teams that maybe are in the bottom echelon of of making the playoffs. Maybe they want to play the spoiler spoiler role. That makes this interesting. But just the whole uh, execution of this is going to be interesting, regardless of who wins. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Lakers, uh, you know, unless we're talking about an active god of injury or, or you know, COVID cluster, are still a favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it changes that much. And I think the fact that they are older helps in the sense of, you know, a lot of these guys have been on deep playoff runs. And uh, even though it's going to be different from any playoff run that they've been on, it's it's still sort of we're going to silo in, we're going to lock in you know, focus on ourselves and, and that takes time to sculpt and, and mold. So I think 
older teams, aside from injury, are going to have an advantage. Yep. And obviously, you have the ultimate leader in LeBron James. Uh, on your side is never a bad thing. But uh, Kyle Goon, uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. Stay safe and healthy. And uh, we'll bring you back on, uh, you know, during the, the bubble restart. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, Devin, you know, he, he makes some good points. Like, like you said, the Lakers are probably one of the teams that are locked in, probably been working out. You know, LeBron's probably calling guys, hey, make sure you go work out. Let's or go, come, to, come to my house or come to my come gym. To my whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're they, they want to win, obviously. Well, LeBron if, for sure wants to win. Yeah. If LeBron is one of the guys that come out and say, you know what? All the players are totally against this. The bubble, I could see the bubble not happening. Yeah, but he's one of the guys you said, one of the outer statesmen now in the league. They have a good chance to win, they have the pieces. Um, you know, Mark makes some good points about what could happen with the protocols. Uh, and Kyle makes some excellent uh insight on what the actual players are thinking in the in the in the uh management, you know. Yeah. I like I said, I could see some guys coming out like Randy Macho Man Savage, but at the end of the day, they got to play basketball. You know what I mean? And I, my concern is the thing he mentioned with with Palinka and the training staff is, you know, you'd hate to see a superstar getting hurt in one of the first few games. That'll just put a whole damper on the bubble. You know, yeah. uh, especially the- especially because there's got to be a quick turnaround for next season. Yeah. So, so- a star gets hurt this late in the season, then that star is potentially out for a half, three quarters, oh. full season next season. Correct. So, you know, um, yeah, you know, a guy like Kyrie Irving and or Kevin Durant, they're probably like, perfect. I can sit yep. and rest a little bit longer and not miss games and start next year, whether it's in December or January. Yeah. And, and sit a little longer where these guys have to really ramp it up. And it's going to be like, the first few games might be, you know, just ugly and god awful. Then they're going to get into game shape, and 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 you'll see the teams that are really into it and trying to have a chance to win. So I think all that is interesting. You know, uh, I I hope we didn't get to talk to Mark about it. You know, or, or Kyle, like you know, uh, hopefully none of this is looked at as uh, you know the the Black Lives Matter decals that like is pandering or you know, taking away from actual change that it's just, you know, comes off as they're just doing it to appease people. I hope that doesn't hope that doesn't uh, create that scenario. There is going to be some backlash, you know, uh, maybe from people that are kind of just they like basketball, but they think the players are pampered or make too much money. Well, they're yeah. going to they're going to they're going to be backlashing against some those, of this. Definitely. Those, are the same, those are the same people who don't like have a full understanding or grasp on what the black lives matter movement is really about. Correct. Yeah. I don't think the NBA or any of those guys are concerned about how those, those people feel they they couldn't do two shits. They're going to, they're going to, you know, go about it. um, Best way they can, whatever they want to yeah, whatever, whichever way they can. Um, But yeah, it's going to be, I really hope, I really hope there's like WWE style entrances. (laughs) I do. Yeah. I I mean, that would be, or, or I want to see them rip off their like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Hulk Hogan style, and have some shirt that says something positive. Yeah. You know, there, there's a there's some guys are creative, like uh, yeah. you know, I, I like Mark said some you know some guys have uh, all right. Kyle said it as well. You know, a guy laser focused like an Avery Bradley. Then you have guys like Dwight Howard that are just fun and, and 
yeah goofballs to be around so we'll see how that plays out uh you know uh I, I back to that to Amani Bates is yeah you're right you know they they're kind of counterproductive. We don't know how this G League is going to go, but if the G League works, why why worry about that uh, one and done issue in the collective bargaining agreement? It, it well, kind of works don't. against each other. You, know? you don't because because if you're going to be able to get these kids straight out of high school, pay them that five hundred thousand dollar you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollar rate, allow them to earn money uh, in endorsements. And you give them a year to prepare, uh, not only uh, physically, uh, but mentally and on and off the court for the NBA yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so then you you put all this effort and all these um, resources into the developing this G League platform. And then all of a sudden you take it away, you know, a year later. I, I understand if it doesn't work, but I think they're going to give it, you know, three couple years. years to – to see how it really pans out and see the impact that it actually has. They're not going to abandon it that quickly. I think that was a, a great point that Mark brought up in regards to Bates. Yeah, um, for sure. Now, what Braden is saying, I agree with him. Because of COVID and this this thing, his chance of going to Michigan State increase a little bit. If he reclasses, his chances shoot up. Yeah, my thing, and we haven't discussed, and we didn't discuss it among the guests, but we've discussed it internally. Is is Bates worth more in a MSU jersey with him having some control of his name, image, likeness than he is in the G League? That to me is the most interesting topic. If they can play a full season in in twenty one, twenty two, or twenty two, twenty three, I think right now Michigan State's still a stronger brand than a G League team. <laughs> Sure. Just, I, no, I understand what you're saying. If he's able to pro, like this is under yeah. the under the yeah. the uh, odds Assumption. that he's yeah. able to uh, monetize make money off of endorsements yeah. at Michigan State. Uh, yeah, because he has a, a bigger stage, more national TV opportunity mm-hmm. with a full season at Michigan State to prove how good he is to the NBA level, as opposed to the G League, where I mean, how many how many G League uh, games of Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd and that first group of players who are playing on that team uh, are going to be like nationally televised and who are they playing against? You know what I mean? Correct. And how will, how will that translate to uh, predicting how good they're going to be in the NBA? Like we know Jalen Green is probably going to play in the NBA for a long time. Sure. Um, but does, you know, his performance in this G League platform, like – is it any different than what he did at Prolific Prep or with Team Why Not in the UIBL? I, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know till we see it. And like you said, I think it's going to be an interesting summer because the NCAA has pulled back its uh, you know live period again for another month. So we're going to be following that. Uh, we've talked about it before. We've talked about it with some guests, Issa Silva and others. 221 is, is just – To wash. Those players have to really – Hope they're just hoping and praying that they get eyeballs, college coach eyeballs in front of them. Uh, Mark brought up the point that I think you think of like a Mikey Williams, a Jalen Lewis, uh, even some of the better players in the 222 class who are kind of outdrowned by Imani Bates. Um, you know, they're going to be watching that G League thing, see how it works, see if it, no it makes sense, see if it. Are they uh, properly exposed on on you know TV? 
Are the games watchable? You know, are the games at weird times? You know, like you said, if I want to watch Michigan State, I know they'll be on CBS or uh, ESPN certain times of the year. Oh, I'm going to watch them during the December holiday tournaments, or I'm going to watch them on a big Sunday or Saturday afternoon game. It's, it's you know, if you've watched college basketball enough, you know when those games are. You have an idea. And which just with this G League, you just don't know anything. Is it like at midnight? Is it at 10 in the morning? Right. You know, when do you watch kind of thing? So, you know, it, it's it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, there's Amani Bates. Uh, yeah, I still think he has a chance to go to 221. I'd just be interested to see what uh, schedule they play this year. You know, will they be eligible? Will Geico consider them? And then I, I got to see where they land up. Are, are they going to even be a team that I can consider for the Fab 50? So even though there's not a lot of basketball right now, Devin, there's still a lot of things that are happening that are going to uh, impact the future of basketball. Yeah. Yeah, there's been some basketball going on, uh, you know, at the youth prep high school level, but not a whole lot. Good thing is, hopefully, we get some, you know, NBA basketball back at the end of this month. Uh, still lots of time until july 30th when that first game is supposed to tip uh still plenty of time for you know good things to happen bad things to happen so uh it's just a waiting game right now across the board uh but until then man i'm gonna i'm gonna be in my house where i've been yeah. since since march 15th <laughs> devin is just plugging away and uh he's gaining basketball knowledge doing yep. a lot of work but his hair his hair is just getting longer and longer Dude, I need, dude. I, I'm glad we don't put audio up, man, because I'm starting to get to like where my like where I wore it in high school, where it's like so long and it gets down to my gets down to my shoulders. By the time I show up at a gym, like I guess maybe in January or wherever, whenever we get back, oh, I'm gonna be unrecognizable, man. Yeah, that'll be hilarious. Hopefully, you you know everybody out there is taking care of themselves. Uh, as Mark said, this is serious. Uh, I've come across a first friend that i know whose whose grandparent had covid um so it's you know i finally everybody always that's the one question people ask you know do you know anybody with this do you you know we hear these numbers or the death rate is real low we know people have it and we know a lot of young people have it that don't even know that they have it right i think that's what we found out like with about five percent of the nba testing positive i think that's i i I saw uh some statement or comment that Brian Windhorst from ESPN was kind of like, that's what the NBA expected, you mm-hmm. know? So uh, hopefully that number stays that, that level and gets smaller, but yeah, this is affecting everybody. Looks like uh, various counties around California are going to be quote unquote, having restrictions or shutting down. Arizona is out of control. They, they're on a 30 day lockdown. And it's very interesting as Kyle mentioned we're going to this bubble and you know, there's some concern because Florida is a, is now a hot spot. So, right. Right. You know, it's the NBA is entering a place where there's a lot of cases. Unlike where Braden mentioned in, in Kansas, the numbers have been very low based on, you know, probably a low population and just on a rural area. So, you know, with all that being said, Devin, we're going to continue to follow this. Um, why don't you tell our, our viewers about the, uh, you know, we won't be silenced shirt and some of the other initiatives we have uh, to help uh, play a small part in, in, in making change 
and uh, helping people's lives. If you guys go to uh, shop.ballslife.com, um, we have two initiatives going. Ronnie, the first one is a mask initiative. We all know uh, how important it is right now to wear a mask when you go out into public because, I mean, if you haven't seen the various you know uh, charts or memes or whatever it may be on, on how – you know, if two people are wearing a mask, how little the virus can spread, uh, it, it's very important and it's it's very real. So um, Ball's Life is selling masks uh, um, and donating a percentage of those profits to World Central Kitchen, which helps feed um, hungry uh, people across the world. And then our second initiative is a T-shirt initiative. Um, like Ronnie said, it says we cannot be silenced and it helps, um, you know, all 100% of the proceeds um, after operational costs will be sent to, is it the bail project, Ronnie, or the bail fund? Yeah, yeah bail the, bail, the bail project, which helps people who maybe have been uh, unjustly arrested or, or arrested in terms of, you know, not being able to pay bail yep. for people that, that are, a disadvantage compared to somebody who's been arrested or perhaps charged with the same exact charge, but they can get out because they have the financial means. Right. So both of those are, are still live on our website, uh, shop.ballslife.com. Make sure you head there. And uh, if you need a mask, grab it. If you want to support uh, uh, the bail project, uh, the shirts are really cool looking. Our, our designer, Andy Fomai, does a great job with all of our all that stuff for us. Um, but Ronnie, until next week, I think we are good to go on this. Um, again, you guys can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Um, we appreciate you listening in each and every week. But until next week, that'll do it for episode 71 of the In the Paint Show. Ronnie and Devin signing off. Bye.